I sent my oldest son off to a youth retreat this weekend. He was hours away. And like at any time when I'm not with him, I really missed him. But with that great distance and for those several days, I was really feeling the disconnect. I'm so glad that he had his gab phone along. I was able to send him a quick text each evening to ask about his day and to tell him that I was praying for him. Have you heard of these things? The gab phones? That's gab, G-A-B-B. They look and feel a lot like a smartphone, but they aren't connected to the internet in any way. A user can call, they can text, take pictures, and even listen to music, but that's about it. With the Gab phone, I had peace of mind knowing that I could get a hold of my son all weekend, but that he didn't have access to the internet. And most importantly, the internet didn't have access to him. He wasn't scrolling social media or being sent shady photos from total strangers. He wasn't wasting time playing video games or being taken advantage of by cyber stalkers. If you too are interested in purchasing a regular cell phone that looks and feels like a smartphone for your kids, you can grab 30% off a Gab phone or a Gab watch right now. Head to GabWireless.com and use promo code mom to mom at checkout. That's capital letters. M-O-M-T-O-M-O-M. So once again, go to gabwireless.com and use promo code mom to mom Welcome to the mom to mom podcast. We're three generations of moms who've experienced nearly every season of motherhood. Of course, we don't have all the answers, but you can be sure that we'll always point you to the one who does. We're pouring a cup of coffee and we're chatting motherhood today. Pull up a chair. We're really glad you're here. Hey there, Mama. We are so excited for you to join us today. Kate, September, and I wanted to take this opportunity to let you in into our normal everyday to give you a peek of our lives, to let you hear our heart for motherhood. So this is going to be a very candid conversation. We have some questions that we're going to be fielding today to give you a glimpse into the past, I don't know, girls, how many years have we been moms? Oh, gosh. If we put it all together, it's a lot. It's probably over 100. Well, maybe (laughs) not that many, but close. (laughs) Lots of years of motherhood. So as we kick it off today, ladies, I want you to tell me your stories. Give our listeners a little peek as to who you are, how long you've been married, um, what season of motherhood you're in right now, maybe how long you've been a mother, and then um, tell us what has changed about your life in the last two years since we first started the podcast. Well, gosh, I've been a mother my goodness, 35 years. My daughter, well, she she's 35, so that makes it 35 years. I'm a grandma of five. And you know, it's funny, girls. I want I'm I'm the crazy woman who wanted five kids. And God, you know, he gave me one daughter who's amazing and beautiful and wonderful. And she's got five kids. So God answered my prayer just a little bit differently than I thought it would be answered, but he still answered it. And I have these five amazing grandkids from 10 down to just a year. He's a year old. We, and within these last two years, we've had a new grandbaby, Benjamin, and he's just the cutest, fattest little 
bundle of joy that you've ever seen. He's amazing. So we've got a new grandbaby. I had a book come out. So that's like another baby because our books that we've all written, aren't they kind of like kids? I mean, you sort of think of them as your children. So my book came out just, just a few months after our podcast started. My second book came out. So that's kind of like a baby. It's called The God Dare. And I don't know, it, it feels like a lot more has happened in these last couple of years. And I know a lot has, but it's just not coming out of my brain at the moment. But, you know, with with the, the, the pandemic and all the crazy in the last year, just so much has gone on in this world and so many changes. But for the most part, you know, it's just made us all, I think, just focus on what's important. And more than anything, I think in the last year, it's narrowed my focus to what really is important in this life. And for me, more than anything, it's just made my focus go up to the Lord. If if he's not the main thing, then then I don't know what is. Kate, I've heard you say many times in the last year, being exposed to COVID has exposed much in our lives. And I think I hear that in your words today. It has revealed a whole lot about ourselves and our priorities, whether good or bad, but we've been given hopefully some opportunity to work on all of those things. September, how about you? Tell us about yourself, your family, and what's been new with you in the last two years. So a little update on myself. I've now been a mom for 29 years. I had a double verify that with my oldest son the other day. And we had a big laugh about it because I thought he was a few years older than he was. And he just, he just thought that was hilarious that I couldn't remember. So yes, he's going to be 29. So I've been a mom for 29 years. And in the last couple of years, since we began our podcast, wow, so much has happened. I've had a few daughters get married. Um, I've had a few kids leave home. I've graduated another student from homeschooling. Uh, let's see, we started at the September and co shop over on Etsy. Uh, our podcast is just part, a big part of my life. Whenever I'm going through motherhood times, I think of different topics like, wow, some, if I'm going through this, someone else would want to hear about this. Um, so the podcast of course is a big deal for, for me and my focus. And then, um, of course, you know, the quarantine has been part of our last two years, but for me personally, some things that have changed are my focus of time. Um, I don't have a lot of littles underfoot anymore. And so I'm spending more my time doing things that I've always been really passionate about, which has changed my focus in my home and my kids and everyone is having to adjust to that. So hold on to hope if you're that mom that just wants to do something different, you know, the time will come. But with every change, there's adjustment. Um, It's not just, you know, dream big and and do big and hope it's going to come easily. And that's one of the things that I've been reminded again about this last two years that it takes work to do anything. So um, yeah, so that's an update on me. And um, I'm just excited to see where the podcast is going to go this next year. And September forgot to mention, but she is the mother of 10. And how many grandkids September? Oh, I did forget that. Yes. So yeah, I'm a mom to 10. And we have four left at home that I'm homeschooling. And I have nine grandchildren right now. So um, you never know what 2021 is going to bring. Wowzos. One thing that I love about being on this podcast with these two women, oftentimes I can scroll Instagram and I see all kinds of mothering advice thrown at me. But for the most part, a lot of that advice is given by women who are in my same season or maybe even a few years younger than me. But I know that these women have walked the road and are further on in the journey, have some of the war wounds to prove it, and they're just willing to hold it all out to to 
us who are willing to listen. And I just love leaning into these women because I know that their mothering has been proved. Well, I am Jamie Erickson. I'm the third wheel here. And I have been the college sweetheart of my husband for the past 19 years. We just celebrated our 19th anniversary. We have five kids. My oldest is a senior this year. She'll be graduating in May. She's actually taking dual enrollment classes at um, through a Christian university online. So that's been a new development for us in the past two years of being able to be a little bit more hands-off in, in her homeschooling. All the while, I am thoroughly entrenched in homeschooling my four youngest, and they're all boys. So that's been a different ride, homeschooling boys, when she was my first. Um, in the last two years, what has changed in my life? Well, I moved um, to a new city, new to me city, after having lived in a very, very small Mayberry-esque town for about 18 years. And that was a, a bit of a baptism by fire. I grew up in a big inner city, but for the last 18 years, I've lived in a really small town and it's been a bit of an adjustment um, learning to live in a, the city life again. I also launched a book, Homeschool Bravely. Funny enough, it was before everyone in the world started homeschooling. So it just so happened that God and his providential plan had put this story on my heart to write, and it came out just before everybody brought their learning home. And I've just been so thrilled to um, be on this podcast in the last two years. I say this often, but it, it is worth saying again. I'm not only a podcast co-host, I'm a podcast listener because again, these women are mentors to me and I find it a privilege that I get to ask them the hard questions that are probably burning in your mind and um, I get to be the one to ask them. So thank you so much for following along with us in these past two years. Ladies, you, you know, Kate, you mentioned about the pandemic. You, it's kind of the unavoidable topic of 2021. We're still in the throes of it. I'm wondering how has quarantine affected your life this year, specifically maybe in your mothering or your social circles, in your um, how you grandparent your kids? Uh, I should also mention the three of us live in different states. Kate is in Tennessee, September is in New York, and I'm in Minnesota. And each one of these states have been handling um, quarantine and COVID differently. So you'll hear our answers and they'll be quite different because the, the mandates are different in the areas that we are. But Kate, how are you handling quarantine and maybe what you've learned through this time? Well, in Tennessee, I mean, at first, you know, like everybody else, we did shut down for a few months in March, April, May. I remember things were, we, we couldn't do anything. We really couldn't go anywhere. Things were, were like a lot of the country. We were just pretty shut down, but then things started to open up in Tennessee. It was, it, it's a little bit different here. It's a little bit looser. At this point, we're able to to go out to eat. We can go to church. Our church has been open since June, which has been nice. We have a life group in our home. You know, we have 20 people here on a Tuesday night that are comfortable coming. The ones that were coming all the time that aren't comfortable, they they've not returned, which is fine. You know, the ones that we just tell, we just figure people are adults. They're going to do what they're comfortable doing. But in terms of family, 
we always were able to see our daughter and grandkids because since we'd always been together, we never had the need to be apart. It wasn't like we lived far away and couldn't get to them to visit. We live in the same area. We're just one town apart. So we've always been, you know, been, been close to them. So there was no real need to be quarantined from them. We went to church together. We see them all the time. So we've been very intentional to maintain Sundays, at least as family time. We go to church together. So they always come over with all the kiddos and, you know, we, we eat together, we have fun, play outside, go do fun things and just try to really maintain that family time. Because I mean, I, I don't, I don't know where our country's headed in the next few years, but one of the things that we really want to try to maintain are the family traditions just to, you know, to just to keep those things keep as many of those family traditions together that we can to let let our our grandkids know and our daughter for sure and she knows this but that that those things are important those just traditional family values to let our children our grandchildren know that those are important that we always pray before a meal and they know they get in position they put their hands up they know that we're going to pray before the meal that's something that their parents have done always so you know, but I think those things are so important to instill when they're little so that no matter what happens in the world, there are things that they're going to carry with them that they know they've always seen it. Grandma and grandpas are, were Mimi and Poppy. They always know that, that they're going to they're going to they're going to trust that that those things will be carried forward when they're at our house, that they can they can just always count on that with us. And just to continue to instill the values that mom and dad are already instilling, we want to carry that forward and and sort of cement that in their hearts and their spirits. So I think that's an important role for grandparents anyway, to to know what, you know, what the parents are valuing and to, you know, to just um, respect that and help to instill that in the grandchildren. So it's been an interesting time in Tennessee. It's um, it is a little bit more open. So I'm grateful that we live in a state that's not so locked down and so heavily, you know, mandating certain things where it, it has been pleasant to live here because it's, it's pretty easy living here. So I, I am grateful for that, but, but I understand in other areas where it is a lot tougher that you can barely go outside without wearing a mask. And, you know, it, it's just, a, it's, it's a lot more difficult. Yeah. So I, we definitely in New York live in one of those States, Kate, that you referenced. And uh, so therefore it's been really challenging for me um, with my attitude. I've discovered that my attitude was pretty yucky. Um, and I'm trying to, I've been working throughout this whole year that we've been in quarantine to balance justice um, and surrender and being a Christian and my attitude. And basically when it boils down to it, if you know, if I'm going to apply this to my motherhood, there's a lot of things I could say about the quarantine in New York. And I'm, and I don't want to use this time to do that, but I really do love what you said about, you know, you look back on significant times in history where there was something like this and children that came out of that, no, not the adults, but the children, what do they remember? You know, they remember their mother and grandfather rationing and buying food like the Great Depression and how they made something out of nothing. And I think you really hit the nail on the head by saying you want your kids to remember those important things that were priority and tradition and, and you're enforcing those things along with your um, 
with your daughter and son-in-law, with your grandchildren. And, and that's what they, your grandchildren will remember, you know, Mimi and Papa, you know, they always made sure, even though the world was swirling around us that we sat down to pray and we kept, and I think when we have like myself, a yucky attitude, it can seep into the cracks of those areas of my life. So I'm disgruntled or upset. And so therefore it carries over into the attitude of my home. And so that's something I've been working on. I want my children to remember no matter what, you know, doesn't mean it's been easy. It's been difficult. We live in the woods um, in upstate New York, and we are in one of those counties, literally counties that everything is completely shut down and we have to wear a mask. And so it's been hard even for my kids, um, but we're working through it and we're, we're doing our best to, to get by. It's interesting when, when the world sort of shut down, everybody was tallying the losses and I, I was able to go on social media and, and find, you know, different comments from my friends and those who I knew, um, just grieving the, the loss of perhaps, you know, canceled vacations and plans and business losses, or even the loss of a loved one who, who died because of COVID. And, in that moment last spring, I didn't really feel the weight of it. You know, I, I looked around and I thought, well, my life really didn't change all that much. I guess my every day is everybody else's quarantine. You know, I, I homeschool, I work from home. It didn't, I didn't really feel the losses or maybe I just didn't allow myself to feel them. I've always been a late griever. And so I found that now, you know, nine, 10, 11 months later, this right now is when I'm feeling the sadness and I'm starting to tally up all my losses. And unfortunately, everyone else has sort of moved on. They're all ready to sturdy up and do the next thing. And I'm sitting here thinking, but wait, I I, I I don't know how to move forward. I feel like I'm living the life that everybody else lived 11 months ago. And it's been kind of difficult. And then to add insult to injury, um, like I said, I had moved to a new community about two years ago. And fortunately for us, uh, we had all begun to make friendships and to build relationships when we first moved to our new city. And it was about a whole year before quarantine happened. So we had a year's worth of relationship under our belt. But what I found in that was that was just enough time for some of our older friends to maybe um, not forget about us, but to categorize our relationship in a different category. So we weren't the ones that they were checking up on maybe um, daily as you do with those you love. And yet we were so new to the block that we hadn't really become the ones that our new friends categorized or put in that spot of, I better check on them and make sure they're okay. And so I found that I'm kind of in limbo in my, my personal relationships. And that really has been the toughest for me is I really don't know how to navigate these new friendships. And because of quarantine, because I live in a state where um, we are not, allowed to gather together. And for much of this past year, I didn't really get to see many people in person. 
that's been really hard. And, and I don't know if you're listening, if any of this resonates with you, but I do just want to share a couple things that have been helpful for me as I navigate the loneliness and grieve the losses of relationships from this, these past few months. Um, it's forced me to ask some really hard questions about how I hold my relationships and maybe even just the importance that I put on them. I've asked myself, am I expecting um, the same things? Am I carrying expectations from my old friendships into these new ones? You know, my old friends were the ones that were with me when I had babies. You know, they, some of them were there like moments after my babies arrived and they were with me at all those milestones in my thirties when a lot of big things happen in a person's life. And some of my new friends can barely remember my kids' names because our relationship is just different. And, and I struggle to remember their kids' names. But am I carrying the expectations of my old friends onto these new relationships? Um, I'm also asking myself, in my desperation to find friendships that fit, like those well-worn ones of a couple years ago, am I being too critical? And ignoring the goodness that is right in front of me. Am I expecting these new friends to be as passionate about the same things that my old friends did? Am I expecting them to um, bring to the table certain character qualities or certain gifts or certain whatever, fill in the blank? I'm asking, are there ways that I can continue the conversation even when we can't meet face to face? Am I being intentional to nurture those relationships, or am I just expecting them to do it? And lastly, I have to ask myself, am I creating horseshoe relationships? And what I mean by that is, you know, we have this idea, this is my circle of friends, but a circle is closed off. A horseshoe, on the other hand, has a really tight section at the end, but it's open, allowing for others to join in. So in, in my attempt to make friendship circles, am I actually leaving enough room for others to join in? Because if I'm not, I'm just adding to the loneliness of someone else. So in other words, I have to ask this question. This question really sums up it all. Am I being the friend that I'm looking for in someone else? And perhaps I'm the very friend that someone else has been praying for. So that's kind of what I've been mulling over in the, the past 11 or 12 months of quarantine. Um, it's, it's forced me, it's exposed, as Kate said, a lot of things about how tightly I've held my relationships and has definitely brought me to the friend that sticks closer than a brother. Imagine the world change that would take place if we moms did the knee-bending work of prayer for our homes. If we spent just as much time praying as we do providing perfect childhoods, perfect days, perfect dinners. Our kids need perfection, that's true, but it won't ever be found in us. That's a gift only Jesus can lavish on them. If Kate, September, and I could encourage you in just one thing, it would be prayer. Nothing will be more powerful in the life of your kids and in your relationship with them than bringing them to the throne of the all-powerful one who can move heaven and earth on their behalf. To help direct your thoughts to specific prayer points found in scripture, we've put together a month-long series of prayer cards called 30 Days of Prayer for My Child. 
Each card contains a prayer theme, a verse that correlates with that theme, and a brief sample prayer to help you call upon God to be faithful to His Word in light of your kids. To grab a set of your own, head to September & Co. Shop on Etsy. Pray for your kids today, because if you're not praying for them, who will be? So, Kate, you've been a mother for, you said, 35 years, right? Mm -hmm. In September, yeah. you're at 29 years. So that tells me that you both became mothers late 20s, maybe early 30s. So I'm wondering if you were to have a conversation with that 25-year-old self, what would you tell her? What would be different about your mothering if you could do it all over again, maybe have a do-over? What would you say to your 25-year-old mothering self? Gosh, well, I was 30, so I started a little bit later. But, I, you know, the, the, the first thing that pops in my mind is probably just talk less and listen more, especially not, not when, I, when she was little, little, but I think as my daughter got older, just listen more. I think I just talked too much. I'm just convinced I just probably just needed to shut up and listen. And I think that goes into your, into when they're little too. I'm a firm believer that they're not going to bring you their 16 year old problems. If you can't first learn to listen to those three-year-old problems, you know? So when you set the example of listening to them, when they're really little, you're really um, planting seeds for a b bigger harvest later on. Yeah. I really think so. I think just, just really valuing all that they have to say, you know, and especially because I had one, I had all the time in the world to listen. And, and I, I think I was a pretty good listener, but I just think I could have listened more and placed more value on what she had to say. I don't know, but that, that's just, that's the main thing that, that popped into my head. And when you're asking that, that's the thing in it. And as you all talk, I may think of more things, but that's the one that hits me the most that I could have probably listened more and listened better to what she was saying. Maybe just listened at a deeper level. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's good. I know you've told me that, Kate. You've given me that advice. I can remember a few years ago at a conference, me wanting to just kind of speak over a situation. You're like, just walk away from it. Just listen to what they have to say. Don't worry about it. And I did that and it, and it worked. So, um, you know, for myself, you know, I was a young mom and did not have any model or example. And so I felt like I had to figure a lot of things out on my own. But I think that's the key for me looking back, you know, I would go back and tell myself, find people, find podcasts, find a book, find a mentor. Um, don't try and do it all on your own because there's a lot of trial and error in your kids, which is fine. It happens. Um, but for myself, I would have loved if someone, you know, 30 years ago had said, this is a thing, like find another mom who's going to tell you, um, don't worry about that. Or why don't you try this? Or, you know, the Bible says, or the Bible doesn't say I would have just loved that. And, um, I didn't even know that that was something I could do. I, I was just beginning to walk in the word. I was just becoming part of a community um, of believers and I was just embarking on motherhood. Um, and the second thing that really stands out to me looking back and now, especially hearing my adult children talk, 
at the, you know, Sunday dinner table, they talk about everything. What kind of mom I was, what kind of mom I wasn't, uh, what kind of dad my, their dad was. And it's just really neat to hear. It's nothing bad. It's nothing negative, but I think I would tell myself, you know, major on the majors and minor on the minors, because I majored on the majors and the minors. And I was so busy and so tired. And a lot of those things, my kids don't even remember. They don't even remember me doing those things. So that would be probably the biggest piece of advice or, you know, something I would sit down with a cup of coffee and say, Hey, September, this is what I want to tell you. Well, I haven't been a mother for um, that many years, but I did become a mother at 24. And so I'll start from there. If I were to go back and tell my 24 year old self something, it would be this. There's not a prescriptive formula and every single child is different. I was definitely a type A mother when I first started. I, I'm, I'm glad to say I don't really feel like I am anymore, but that was some hard fought changes, hard fought evolution in my life. Um, but I started out my mothering thinking, well, if I just followed this formula, this book that I read said if I did A, B, and C, I would end up with this perfect child. And I think that my, my daughter, um, of course, she bore the brunt end of that you know, type A mothering. And perhaps that was in God's graciousness to give me a daughter who was so flexible. And I can see where God has used even some of my um, obsessions or compulsions during those early years to refine me and make me into a better mother. And she has benefited from that because she's seen the full evolution of myself. But then my second born came along in third and fourth and fifth. And man, I could not have ordered more different children. And so in these last, you know, 17 years of mothering, I've had to learn to be really flexible and go from plan A to Z, plan Z pretty quickly. Um, but in the end, now I'm, I'm on tiptoeing closer to launching my firstborn and I can see it'll all add up. They'll turn out fine. She's such an amazing girl and I'm so, so very proud of her. And I know she would be that way regardless of any prescription that I thought was so important in those early years. She definitely will. And she's, she's an amazing girl. But I think one other thing I would add is that I think the mistake I made, I figured my daughter would be just like me. She'd be a mini me. And that was a huge mistake. She could not be more opposite. I'm an extrovert. She's an introvert. I mean, you wouldn't think with a, a life, a public life on the stage, you think she'd be an extrovert because on stage she is, but she gets off stage. She wants to run away, you know, go home, be home and, and just huddle and, and be, you know, not be around people, but that's not, that's not how her life is. She has to be around people, but she's an introvert, a classic introvert. I think a one on the Enneagram, I'm an eight on the Enneagram. So we're vastly different. And I just didn't know how to deal with that. I mean, I just figured she'd be just like me. Now, wh wh who, who ever told me that my child would be like me? No one, but I don't know where I got that from. So I needed a mentor too, September, just like you were saying, I needed someone and I wish someone had told me you need other moms to, and I finally found them. I mean, eventually I did. I, I was smart enough to figure out 
or somebody said, hey, you need to other women around you. And it just took me a while to find them because we moved a lot in those early years. And just until we finally settled somewhere where there were other moms to say, hey, let me help you out with discipline, you know, little things like that, that we didn't know what we were doing because I also didn't have good role models to follow. To, I didn't know what I was doing, just to be honest with you. So once I finally found some women that, that could help me, but I, I think the biggest thing is, yes, don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to find women who you admire, who are doing it the way you think feel is the right way. Just say, Hey, what are you doing? Please help me. You know, please sit down, tell me what are you doing? Because I want to be doing it correctly and biblically. And, you know, just whatever it is you're doing, please show me your method and let me, you know, help me. It's okay to ask for help. And I think a lot of times we don't know that we think, well, I should be able to figure this out. No, you, 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 you won't be able to figure it out on your own. Let other women come around you and help you. That's what we're here for. I mean, we're here to help one another. So don't be afraid to ask for the help that you need. And with that, you know, taking that advice, but then remembering to reach the heart of your child, you know, um, every child is going to be different, even within your own home. And what worked for one isn't going to work for the other. What worked for one mom may not work for you, but take the advice, gather all the information and advice that you can, and then reach the heart of your child. And that might look a little different from child to child. So as we look ahead to 2021, I'm wondering, ladies, if you and your family have made any particular pivots um, within the year or maybe created some personal or some family goals, whether in spite of COVID or because you've learned some things about yourself and some changes that you've, you've needed to make, what are some goals that you have looking forward to the next year? Hmm. Um just some not not no big family goals other than just staying consistent with our sunday get togethers and you know just keeping that consistent um things like for me it's always you know con staying consistent with exercise with eating well eating clean you know just trying to stay healthy in in this world i'm just trying to keep my health you know as you get older those things become more of a concern um, I am, I haven't even told, told you girls this, that I am working on a new book. So getting consistent with that and really getting the time to get that done and, and hopefully being able to, to get that, you know, to a publisher and, and all those things that we like to do as writers. Um, I'm yeah. really excited about that. Cause I, I think if I can, if I can, if I can shape it the way I want, I think it could be something exciting. So, you know, things like that. Um, you know, there, there are a lot of, of new things bubbling under the surface that we'll see what happens with, with everything. But um, yeah, I mean, it could, I think I'm, I'm, I'm excited about 2021, you know, people talk about their word of the year and I haven't written anything about this. I want to, but it, it's funny when I first started praying about this, like I barely even said, Lord, what's my year word of the year. And the word hope just popped in and it was like, I didn't even have a chance. Usually, you know, I'll marinate for several weeks and Lord, what's my, it was like, you, you're not even going to have to think about this for two seconds. And that word popped and it's been confirmed over and over and over. And I've started, you know, looking at the, all the different Hebrew words for hope and all that it means. And, and it's just really interesting and I need to really spend some time with it, but you know, that just made me hopeful for this year that, that no matter what comes with, with all the things happening in the world, I just have 
hope and anticipation and excitement for 2021, for whatever it means, for the family, for, for, for life, just, just for life, for, for the church, for, for everything. I'm just excited about it. You know, I'm not sitting in dread or in, or deep, horrible anticipation or fear. I just, I just feel like God has good things in store. You know, if we're looking for the good, we're going to find the good. So I'm, I'm looking for the good in 2021. I'm going to hang out with you, Kate. (laughs) You always, I'm a glass half full person. You are. And I love that about you. I love that you're part of the podcast for all the moms listening, because I bet they all need a good dose of hope. I'm just listening to you has me excited. Um, Well, for my 2021 and for our second year of the podcast specifically, I'm really excited about um, kind of breaking up our topics into smaller portions and having a good conversation with the moms on the other end of our podcast so that they can really take notes and listen. And um, instead of a broad stroke spectrum of our topics, now we're going to start really piecing those into bite size, you know, everyday, you know, episodes. And I'm excited about that for 2021 for my home. I'm going to try to be more fun. I'm going to try to be, I've said this on the podcast before. I'm not a really fun mom. Um, So like playing for, with dolls with my daughter. So for Christmas, I wrapped up some dolls. We, I I bought some dolls and I wrapped them up in some doll clothes. Uh, You know, the, the full size, like American girl size, but not an American girl. I wrapped them up and I said to mom and Audrey, and I didn't say who it was from. So we both opened it together. It was a doll for her, a doll for me. And so I thought I, I need to be more intentional in those areas. And this is how I, so that's how we kicked off our new year. In fact, right before we start um, recording, she said, Hey, do you want to play dolls? So that's an area I'm going to, I'm really working hard to be more um, intentional with my prayer time. Um, it's an area of my life that I've been wanting to really focus on and communicate with the Lord better. And so I'm going to start using our, our prayer cards from the podcast and that we've created for all the moms and I'm going to be using them um, and praying for and with my children every day and making it a very diligent effort to pray with my kids before we start school, before they have to do something difficult and pinpointing all the areas. So my prayer life is something that I'm working um, on my skincare. That's just a fun area, something I've been wanting to do. And now that I turned the big five zero, I know I need to really be, I should have started 10 years ago, but I didn't. So never too late. Right, Kate? It's never too late. Noted. Yeah. I'm taking notes. Start now, Jamie. Start now. Start, start now. now. <laughs> um, yes, ma'am. Um, so those are just some areas that pop into my mind as we chat here, but you know, those are big areas and I'm going to be fitting them around my life working in the shop at September and co very, very big year for us. I'm going to be putting a lot more hours. So I'm really kind of learning how to be a new working mom. I'm homeschooling. Um, so that's a challenge, but it's good. And I, and I do have hope and listening to you, Kate really does remind me to focus on that. Thanks for that. Well, I am really looking forward to 2021. It's going to be a little bit of a different year for me. And some of these decisions or thoughts, um, goals that I've been reflecting on are sort of an impetus or I should say COVID was sort of an impetus because it revealed some things that um, needed to change about our family life, about my personal life and about my work life. So some of the things that I'm looking forward to, one, this past Christmas, we bought a lot of outdoor fun equipment for our family. So my husband bought me cross-country skis because it's something he's really enjoyed forever and he thought I would love it. So I've already been out a couple times. I won't tell you how many times I've fallen, but the point is I've gotten back up 
and I continue to go out. So that's one thing we bought um, some gently used downhill skis for everyone in our household so that we can um, utilize some really fun slopes around here. We're just hoping, uh, you know, with the closure of everything and we're not able to do anything inside, it really forced us to go outside and really begin to make some great um, family activities and traditions. We've partnered together with uh, another homeschool family to have Friday fun days. So every other Friday afternoon, find us somewhere outside adventuring together. It's a great way to sort of um, stay safe, stay healthy, but still enjoy the company of some good friends and get some exercise, enjoy the outdoors. So that's definitely on the agenda to do more of those kinds of things. I've also determined to start reading from my own bookshelf. You know, I, I'm, I don't know if you remember girls back in the eighties, there was this movie that was made off of the um, children's book, Mrs. Frisbee and the rats of Nim. And in this movie, there's this black crow and he's addicted to all the shiny things that he sees. And he he'll fly down and grab whatever shiny thing he can get, even at the cost of dropping whatever it is in his mouth. He wants to grab for the new thing. And that tends to be me, especially in the realm of what I'm reading. So I have an entire bookshelf full of books, and yet I still grab for the whatever I find on the library website or whatever, you know, this Instagrammer said is the book I should be reading or that podcaster or whatever. So I've made a promise to myself that I'm actually going to read the books on my shelf because I want to honor the Jamie that thought she needed that book, you know, honor the Jamie of last year that bought that book for whatever reason. So I'm going to read the books on my shelf. Um, the other thing that I, um, it kind of goes back to what we were just chatting about a few minutes ago about relationships. I've determined that I'm going to start sending out handwritten notes to friends. I feel like if I feel lonely and I'm feeling the weight of quarantine, everybody else is too. And, and perhaps I can start you know, a, a revival of old time letter writing. So I've gotten myself some note cards um, that are pretty and fun and encouraging. And once a week, I'll write a note to somebody um, who God, you know, whoever God brings to my mind. So I've already started doing that. Um, I hope it continues. And then the last thing is last November, I signed a book contract. It's actually a two book contract. So I am in the throes of writing my second book and then eventually my third book. The second book has some themes about home and about our place in our home as wives, as mothers, as women of God, and how we can leverage our home, just the four walls that God has given us for gospel purposes. So I'm really excited to share that with all of you. And it comes out September 2022. So I look forward to launching that um, in a year or so. So I'm wondering, ladies, what has been saving your life through all of this quarantine? Is there anything that... Um, you've discovered you really enjoy doing, or maybe there's a new product that you've begun using during quarantine that has really, you know, lifted your shoulders and put a smile on your face? Well, not a new product that I enjoy using, but my husband has started baking bread. He is like the bread king. I'm telling you what, he has discovered this recipe. It's actually the New York Times no need bread recipe. It's so easy to make. And he's bought a book and he does a little bit more fancy stuff to it. He makes this bread that, I mean, it's beautiful. It should be on the cover of a book. 
it's beautiful. So he makes this bread. He does it a couple times a week. I mean, I can't believe I've not gained 20 pounds just eating this <laughs> bread that he makes. Cause it, it, it's like bakery bread. It's like real crusty, a big round loaf of, of like wonderful Italian bread. It's just beautiful. So he does that. And that's been, it's become like this just thing that he loves to do, which just kind of cracks me up. I mean, he's always loved to cook, but he's become just a, this little bread baker in our neighborhood. And he, Have he you does become it every, a bread eater. I, I, oh, not too much. I'm, I'm always been very careful with bread, but I will eat it a little bit every week, but he makes it every week for our life group mm-hmm. and they can't wait to get this bread. He'll make, they will devour this bread when they, when every single week. So it's really funny. We'll leave a link to that in the in the show notes, ladies, because I saw Mike baking that bread on oh my goodness. on social media probably, yeah. I don't know, six months ago. And I snagged the recipe and I've been making it ever since. It is it's so it good. is definitely worth making. And it's super simple, wouldn't you it say? It's so easy. Now he's he has kicked it up a notch with when you do a little bit more with it with the folding and the this. I don't even understand what he does. It's his thing and I let it be his thing. But what we should link to if, if, if ladies want a little bit of help with, if you're, if you do a lot of stuff on, on your baking sheet, you do a lot of baking or, you know, anything with cookies or chick, even chicken breasts, anything like that, you want a a silicone mat because it's going to really make things so that they don't stick. They have them on Amazon. They're really inexpensive. You can either get the Silpat mats, which are a little bit more, but even Amazon has them for a pack of two of them for, I think they're $11.87. They're really inexpensive, but they save you so much cleanup. Or you can use parchment paper. That works great too, but you know, you're constantly throwing that away and having to rebuy it. But if you just get the silicone mats, they are a great just a time saver in the kitchen and they save you from cleaning up. If you're baking cookies, you don't have to clean your baking sheet. You just put the mat down, put your little cookie dough on there and you never have, we have to clean the mats. You know, you do have to just soap them up and wash them, but there it's just saves you so much time. They're great. So that's a little time saver in the kitchen that I use those all the time. Hmm. I wrote that down and I'm, I'm sure yeah. everyone listening wrote that down. We'll just provide the link and then they yeah, can... put the link on there to Amazon and we'll put the link to the New York times bread rest. It's just the yes. no need bread. And it's yeah. super easy and really good. Even if you don't do all the little extra things that Mike does, it's still wonderful, wonderful bread. You know, I tracked that guy down, Kate, the the man who wrote that recipe in the New York Times. I tracked yeah. him down. He does have a cookbook, a yeah. baking, a bread book. And I read it down. last spring, I think. Um, and what I loved about it was he talked about just the bread philosophies all over the world. He's a world Mm -hmm. traveler. He's been all over the world, you know, sort of copying the great bread artisans Mm -hmm. of different cultures. And that was just fascinating. Obviously it is a cookbook. So you're buying it or you're reading it for the recipes, but the, the front matter of the book was fantastic. It's it's a great, we should link to it. I think it's flour, water, salt, yeast. Is it that one? Nope. This was a different one. Oh, okay. But I, I will definitely throw it in the show notes. Well, that's that's the one that that Mike gets his little extra tips from. It's called Flour, Water, Salt, Yeast. It's become very popular. It's kind of like the bread book that everybody, mm. all the bread people, do their bread thing from that book. So. I think baking but, in general has become the thing to do during quarantine. Every time I'm at the store, I feel like the baking aisle looks like the apocalypse hit it. Well, it was. I mean, you couldn't get flour. You couldn't get yeast. There were weeks would go by. It was like, well 
all right, you can't get it anywhere, but now, now you can, it was, it became the toilet paper of, you know, at least of Tennessee, you just couldn't find it. <laughs> it was weird for a while there. So what but, about you, September? What have you discovered that you really enjoy in these past few months? Well, it's so difficult because I've picked up a lot of new things, but I'm going to, I'm just going to pick one or two. So one thing that I've been wanting to do for probably 30 years um, since I started having children is to organize my photos and get them into albums. So when I first began, I was like, Oh, I have to scrapbook this. And it was all fancy and everything. And now I have, you know, 10 children and nine grandchildren and very little time. And so I have the, all these photos that were supposed to be in scrapbooks. And I just decided I'm going to get them in an album. I'm just going to get them in a slide album. There's no chronological order. It doesn't matter. So I found these really nice albums. I also found a really cool app on my phone that I can just click on the pictures that are on my phone and they, I just purchased them right on my phone. I don't have to like go to the store and develop them. And so I just click the pictures right off my phone and I'll share that app. And then they're sent to my home. And when they get here, I slide them in these albums and then I keep the albums out. When the older kids come back, they can look at them. Doesn't, and I write a little note when I have time to put in behind the picture. I just wanted them preserved, those memories. So I've been working on that. But another thing, one of my goals for 2021 is to work on a gallery wall going up my steps. You know, we have a big family, so I can't put a picture of everyone doing everything. And so I found these really nice gallery wall frame sets for a really reasonable price on Amazon. I ordered two sets. So I have 14 frames that I'm going to rearrange, move around different sizes, and I get to pick 14 significant moments of, you know, our life, which is hard. It's hard to think 32, we've been married 32 years, 32 years of marriage. And we have 10, you know, a big life, lots of people, but it's been neat to, to go through the pictures, go through the albums, go through the moments. So I'll share, you know, those gallery wall frame sets that I purchased. I really like them. They come in different colors, but that's what I'm working on. I'm working on using my free time that I might be out doing something that I can't during quarantine to do those projects that I never said I had time for. And then one of those things is getting all of our pictures into albums and highlighting, you know, our, our memories. What was the name of that app? The name of the app is free prints. So, and we'll put a link to that. Yeah. If, if you're curious to know how to get your pictures printed in a snap. Mm-hmm. That's a great idea. Mm -hmm. Well, there have been two themes, I think, that um, I keep playing on repeat through all of this quarantine. And that's one, having some family fun inside. So for us, that has meant that we are dragging out some of our favorite board games a lot more than we ever used to. And I, I feel like we were a big board game playing family anyway, but I've been more intentional to order new ones, new puzzles, new games, some of the ones that are keeping us um, occupied or have kept us occupied in the last four months have been Carbles. We've really enjoyed that. Um, Catan Jr. That's a great, very light strategy game. If you're a, a family that likes Catan, but you've got younger ones, Catan Jr. Actually, I'm 41 years old and I like playing the junior version even more than the real version. It's fast. There's still some strategy, but it's easy to play um, with a wide range of kids. 
My family has really been enjoying the game of things. That's a word game. And you can play with any number of people and it can last for five minutes or it can last for five hours, however long you wanna play. And we also like playing Quirkle, um, which is kind of like a shape and color version of Domino's. So those have been a few of our favorites. I actually just ordered Sushi Go because I've heard from many people that that has been a really fun game to play through quarantine. It's a card game with sort of a, a Japanese theme to it. So card games, board games, game nights have been a big piece to our quarantine. And the second thing is finding ways to still date my husband in the middle of all of this, where all the restaurants are closed and our ability to go out is quite limited. So we've been having, we've kind of been returning to those early parenting years when we, you know, had very little budget and we couldn't always afford to go anywhere fun or pay a babysitter. And we'd have like a, a date night in what we've been doing a lot. I know this sounds really cheesy girls, but I've been going to the grocery store. We have a really kind of high end grocery store close to my house. I've been buying a tray of sushi because the restaurants are closed. I bring it home with a bottle of this sparkling juice. It's the dry brand sparkling juice. My husband and I don't drink alcohol, but we sometimes want to end our evening with something fun to drink in a pretty glass, sitting around together, eating our sushi, enjoying one another. And so um, we've turned to sparkling juice as a way to just add a little bit of jazz hands to our time together. This particular brand dry is about the only one that he can drink because all the other brands are so acidic and it kind of gives him heartburn, but I like the dry brand and so does he because it's very light. So those are probably two. Oh, I'll also add, I've discovered this particular brand of socks during quarantine ladies that I, they're kind of on the spendier side, but when you live in weather that, especially during the winter, when it can be 30 below, mm. you need yourself some good socks. So I used to just go to Walmart and buy, you know, the Hanes brand or the Fruit of a Loom or whatever off brand I could find. And I've just decided that I can spend a little bit more money to be able to stay warmer longer. And so I've been buying the Kirkland brand Morena Wool socks. And mm -hmm. they come in a pack of four and they're around $20, which is probably more than the average person wants to spend on socks, but they last and they actually keep my feet warm. So I'm willing to, to plunk my hard earned real cash money down for some good socks. And I think I'm on my third pack already this winter because I love mm. them so much. I've heard about them. Yes. Those are good. Well, ladies, thank you so much for joining us for another year of the podcast. We hope that you continue to stick with us. We have some really great episodes coming your way, some fun guests that we can't wait to introduce you to. We feel so privileged to be able to link arms with you, especially in these crazy days when sometimes it feels a little lonely and these online connections, connections with other like-minded moms can make us feel maybe a little less lonely. We look forward to chatting with you again and thanks for tuning in.